podcast by artists for artists we talk cash shit about everything sometimes we get messy and it all counts as art because we say so i'm mel i'm black and a black woman and a black artist and an artist that is black and a woman that is black and what i'm trying to say i think is that i'm black this week i'm a third party broker for artists with nfts a professional divorce planner and i also teach a, web a webinar on the 49th and 51st laws of power Yo, what's up? I'm still taking my morning vitamins um, <laughs> to give you all all the energy. Um, give me a second. Um, while we wait I'm... for Max to catch up, I feel the need to point out <laughs> that Max is in his final luxurious form right now, bedecked in the most beautiful bonnet that I perhaps have ever seen. Thank you, Melanie. Yes. <laughs> what I got my B12s, my D3s. All right. Um, I also started taking like maca root, What's, um, what is that? moss. I don't know. I think it's part of an alkaline diet or something. Oh no. <laughs> um, uh, ginseng, some white ginseng. Mm -hmm. Um, what else? What else do all the hoteps recommend? Um, ashwagandha. I'm starting to take some ashwagandha. <clears throat> so I'm here. I'm here fighting, fight for liberation. Charged up. <laughs> all right. <laughs> like our ancestors in Egypt. <laughs> okay. Yo, what's up? Maximiliano here, aka Maxi Max, aka Mad Max, aka the notorious MAXX, the pretty motherfucker, aka Maximus Decimus Brutius, podcasting live. Happy back love and abundance, y'all. How to support Nat Turner Project? Support Nat Turner Project by becoming a patron. Check out our Patreon exclusive book of sedition zines our explicit behind the paywall podcast where we get extra messy shop our Etsy store full of totes buttons and various NTP publications, including our newest one, Black Abbey about the Black Abbey artist residency. Shout out Sharita town. Find us on iTunes and all streaming platforms, leave a review and send comments, questions to Nat Turner project 
zero at gmail.com. And just to reiterate what Max said, um, it is Black history. So why not give yourself the gift of one of our lovely publications featuring Black artists, which again, you can find on our Etsy. So. Yeah, the, our, our, all of our merch publications make great gifts, um, great content, great support of Black Portland artists, Black regional artists. Mm -hmm. um, find out more at our Etsy store yep. or natturnerproject.co. Mm -hmm. All right, so first up, um, this is our Black History episode. Um, for those who celebrate Black history, I think that we both kind of subscribe to the idea that Black history is happening all year long. And it's the same history as everyone else. But you know, whatever. So first up, how are you doing, Max? How is your 2022 going so far? Or as um, I call it 2022? 2020.2. <laughs> 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 um, things are good for the most part. What is it? It's early February. Um, you know, adjusting, learning, growing, mm -hmm. um, all the stuff, getting my third eye aligned. Um, you know, connecting with the ancestors, all the things. Um, but yeah, I was kind of like pre-February feeling the the fatigue of BHM, Black History Month. Mm -hmm. um, but as of now, I've been enjoying most of the content I've been seeing online. Um, mm -hmm. It's been fun. I've actually felt a little festive. Oh. Um, <laughs> so maybe, so maybe the internet and Black people have been making it fun. Yeah. How, how are you, Melanie? How's your Black History Month? How's your 2022? Um, my 2022 has been, it's been one of those things where I'm trying not, I tried not to come into this year with too many expectations. I didn't want to touch anything or mess anything up because, you know, I feel like I was too overzealous at the beginning of 2020 and 2021. And those bitches just like shut me down. So I'm just trying to be real quiet, like, um, but so far it's okay it could be better i've got like some health stuff um that could be worse but um a lot of folks around me are going through shit too so that's kind of a that's kind of you know not great so hoping for the best i'm hoping that you know 2022 is just kind of starting off terrible i know we'll get better <laughs> but um but again, it could be worse, right? Yeah, it, it could be worse. <laughs> I had been hearing from all the all the Zodiac people um, that Mercury and Venus are doing something mm -hmm. to where um, Valentine's Day around that time is supposed to be really carnal and steamy and mm. a good time for love and physical love or Aww. all these things, all these conjunctions. So well, that's kind of exciting. Yeah. I think love love would be a, a good distraction for all of this nonsense. So <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Find find some nice distractions out there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I did get a, a fortune from a fortune cookie recently that said a Seagra Meyer will soon send you a sign of affection. Ooh. That was a couple of weeks ago, so I haven't <laughs> haven't got it yet. <laughs> but maybe I haven't just didn't know. Yeah. But. 
it's funny you should say you said that you're you've been kind of um checking in with your ancestors i've been thinking about my ancestors a lot lately too and like how connected or disconnected i feel from them that's been on my mind the last i get i get birthday readings from a friend um every year and i've gotten the same reading regarding my ancestors for the past two years in that um you know i need to um try harder to be more in touch with them um and that they're kind of that i'm kind of disconnected so i have been thinking about that they like miss you and they want to see you and stuff i think so maybe like why don't you ever call us melanie don't you ever visit? And, uh, and I've been thinking about that in regards to 2022 as well, because I think for a large part of my life, it's been too much about survival and not enough about dreaming about the things that I want and going after the things that I want and actually taking time to think about what I want. It's been mostly about like, how do I get to the next day? And that just, at my big age, that seems not productive so mm -hmm. i know you had talked about a, a reading group has that got any traction thank you for bringing that up yes i do want to find a book club that does romance novels with black protagonists and you suggested that i may need to start one so i think maybe that's something i'll look into I think that's a good idea. That could be fun. There are so, I've gotten into so many like romance novels over the past couple of years. I think that's kind of gotten me through the pandemic. Um, and there are so many black ones like that are so good. Um, so that could be fun. Was that your like, uh, your fun reading? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Is there like a series that you're, that you've been reading like a main character throughout? Um, I, I read a lot. I go through a lot <laughs> in like small, like clusters of time. So Talia Hibbert, who is British um, and black, she writes a lot of good ones. She, I think she was kind of my entry point and she was recommended to me by someone. And like from there, I just jumped off and I found so many black um, writers, most of them like femme writers um, who, just really write romance very well. And it made me realize how poorly American TV and movies handle romance. Like it's hard to go back to watching that after reading all this stuff, because it's just done so well. Um, and it, it made me much more like cognizant of the ways that um, American television and cinema have like censored romance and love in these very interesting strange ways so yeah but yeah book club that's definitely on the list yeah maybe some of the books will get a movie or tv adaptation one day maybe <clears throat> won't hold my breath <laughs> you know that one author um i always forget their name like tomi at yeah um she's getting a movie her books yeah, are I heard about that. Yeah, um, but she's um, she's uh, Afrofuturism, right? Or sci-fi? Yeah, they're like Black Harry Potter or whatever, like African Harry Potter books. Don't say Black Harry Potter. <laughs> we we don't acknowledge Harry Potter and J.K.'s problematic ass. So. Well, I think I think all the Harry Potter fans are trying to like 
legally remove J.K. Rowling from Harry Potter or something. You can't do that. Try to save the franchise. <laughs> there was that. Uh, this is the new. We're not even talking about Black History, but there was. <laughs> There was that like twenty year Harry Potter um, reunion or whatever, and like yeah. she was like obviously not a part of any of it. Oh <laughs> really? It's been a her Pinocchio and I haven't watched it. Yeah, because they have like everybody else on there, but there's like J.K. Rowling is like conveniently like absent from all of it. <laughs> I just don't understand why she decided to go so hard in the paint over this bullshit. Like it makes no sense. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe she's just like detached in her like castle bubble mm. but when I was like I was re-watching Deathly Hallows and I could see a little bit of it like the dynamic I was like oh yeah this is like a woman author writing this dynamic between like Ron Harry and Hermione and they're like oh yeah maybe I could see some of it like this like the the tropes or the um relationship that she's like maintaining or the way she still like favors these two like dudes in their relationship and then like Hermione is always like the odd one out and then like Harry and Ron get to have these like reconciliations and then Hermione just has to like, get over it or whatever but, I mean, I'm not like a big Harry Potter head so I don't really but. <laughs> I mean you, you follow enough of the plot though like real talk I've never read one single book no I've never read any of the books I've just watched the movies I got through the first movie, fell asleep a couple times, and then just stopped trying. So, <laughs> some things just aren't for me, and I'm cool with that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. a lot of people are passionate about Harry Potter. They are. I think, yeah, the, I think, like, people my age that were, like, seven years old when, like, the, or eight or nine when, like, the books came out. Mm-hmm. It was, like, their, like, introduction to reading, and then it became, like, this lifelong, you know. As yeah. the characters grew up, as they grew up, or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, I didn't read it. No, no. My introduction to reading was a little bit more controversial and weird. So. <laughs> what was your introduction to reading? <laughs> They've actually been talking about this on Twitter. Well, the, the part of Twitter that I follow about how like a bunch of us um, as kids were reading like VC Andrews and Flowers in the Attic and shit. <laughs> Which is true. I totally cut my teeth on Flowers in the Attic and all this inappropriate shit that I shouldn't have been reading. Just because, yeah. I don't um, know that book, Flowers in the Attic. It's this weird, like, gothic horror incest-like story. <laughs> uh, and, like, like, patriarchal abuse. It's all kinds of fucked up and it's terrible, but <laughs> like a lot of people were reading V.C. Andrews. Um, and th- they were just like, these kind of pseudo romance but like not really romance um and then I was also reading things like Terry McMillan's disappearing acts at like 12 and 13 it was just like not appropriate at all like I didn't understand half of what I was reading even though I thought I did yeah (laughs) about grown ass (laughs) relationships (laughs) yeah that's how I feel about like so much like music I listened to at that age where I was like oh I get I know what they're talking about I know these lyrics mean (laughs) And then you listen to it 20 years later and you're like, what? I don't remember <laughs> any of this. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> so do you have like high hopes for 2022? I'm trying to. I'm trying to be um, putting my best foot forward. Um, I've been, you know, looking for 
opportunities. I feel like the beginning of the year is the time to plant seeds. So hopefully some of these seeds come to fruition mm-hmm. and stuff. And, um, you know, trying to, trying to learn and utilize the lessons I've lived or whatever, the things I've lived into lessons. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Ask me. <laughs> Ask me at the end of the year. <laughs> That's very vague, but also very specific. So <laughs> yeah, that's where I live. <laughs> um. Okay, so the next thing I guess we have to talk about because it's kind of in our world a little bit, the world of podcasts. This bullshit with... Spotify and Joe Rogan. Have you heard? What's I've been- heard a little bit. Yeah, Joe Rogan, our contemporary. <laughs> He's your contemporary. That, that motherfucker is not my contemporary. <laughs> as, as podcasters, I thought that's what we're getting at. We're we're both in the podcast field. All is of he, us. <laughs> is he a podcaster or is he just like a racist bro uh, with a microphone screaming into a void of hatred? I would say that describes a lot of podcasters. <laughs> Maximiliano. (laughs) Um. So Joe Rogan has been on the scene, on the podcast scene for a for quite some time. I don't know when I started hearing about him in the podcast world because I grew up with Joe Rogan as the goofy like um, character on news radio. That's how I knew him. So when I started hearing about him, like in the past decade in like in these circles or these talks about like this kind of um, right politics and that sort of thing, it felt very weird to me. Um, and, but I've never listened to a word of his podcast. I didn't care, I didn't care. I don't really follow that branch um, of thinking for my own sanity, but um, Recently, a bunch of high profile celebrities um, have started like threatening to pull or pull like, well, basically Neil Diamond um, issued an ultimatum to Spotify. It was like, either pull his shit or you can pull my music. And Spotify was like, okay, bet, sure. Uh, You can go, Neil Diamond. (laughs) Um, To which he was like, cool. and then Joni Mitchell soon followed and pulled her music. Um, both of them, um, I think it should be noted, are both polio survivors. So I think that- is. Oh shit, I didn't know that. And Joe Rogan has been spreading a lot of misinformation about COVID. Um, you know, I mean- The ivermectarine or whatever, ivermectaline. Yeah, all that. And more, and bringing on guests who sort of um, support these bullshit theories as well. Sorry, I'm not gonna pretend to be non-biased about this y'all, so just deal. Um, it's bullshit, it's affecting people. Um, it's affecting the, like, the numbers. Um, it's probably causing deaths. Like, so there, there's real reason to be concerned about this. Um, as a result of Neil Diamond and Joni Mitchell, I think some lesser profile celebrities have also pulled their music. Um, Spotify, Um, was required, I guess, to issue a statement saying that going forward, 
they'll put a disclaimer at the beginning of these podcasts um, stating that there will be discussion about COVID. I don't think it mentions anything about labeling it as misinformation or anything like that, just stating that it'll be about these subjects, which, okay, I guess that's a solution. I heard that Joe Rogan issued an like some sort of apology, non-apology, but I haven't watched it because I don't give a fuck. Um, but most recently, um, shout out Black History Month, India Ari, who is one of my faves, um, dropped a video explaining why she is pulling her music from Spotify. Um, and her reason is that uh, Joe Rogan is a racist and he's been spouting the N-word with the hard R like repeatedly over and over again on his podcast. And then she showed like a clip of him doing this. And she was like, that's why I'm pulling my music. Like, because um, this, this person is clearly like using this, this like racist word um, with no sort of filter. Um, and she doesn't support that. And she also doesn't support Spotify paying this guy a hundred million dollars while they only pay artists 0.003. Uh, of like each dollar. So I think that's just as good a reason as anybody. What do you think about the whole thing? Um, yeah, I kind of know what you know. Um, I knew about Joe Rogan, I think initially from like the man show. I never watched that show, but I was like aware yeah. of it. Yeah. And um, then Fear Factor, I think is when I first started being, oh, there's somebody named Joe Rogan that, you know, it's like the host of a show where you eat intestines and <laughs> penises and stuff or peni penum um <laughs> uh and then well yeah ufc um but yeah i don't know like to me it was so unknown that he's become such a huge figure such a huge voice i was like how did we get to this point um <clears throat> but yeah like i think um i heard a little bit of the apology where he's like i'm gonna start having um people of a different like opinion on after if I have like somebody that's like an anti-vaxxer on I guess my next guest will be somebody that's like more pro-vaccine I guess was like his apology or whatever mm-hmm. um but yeah I don't I don't like consume Joe Rogan content um and I think I like the idea of like artists starting to like boycott Spotify for like yeah that pay discrepancy is like unbelievable and yeah he's making so much money and then yeah like the amount of times artists have to like get something streamed in order to make any money Mm-hmm. um so I think like from that standpoint I think that's like I really like that idea of um these artists trying to like advocate for themselves and you know fight for like a bigger percentage because I feel like everybody's like getting rich but the artists in this like new setup or whatever yeah but yeah fuck Joe Rogan um I didn't know anything about the hard R at all um but I was, but I was already like fuck Joe Rogan so I mean yeah. double fuck Joe Rogan now um but yeah no I was I was curious I was wondering if like if that's made Neil Diamond or like Joni Mitchell get back on to Spotify or if they're still like permanently off Spotify? Um, well, I think as of today, they're both off. And then I think um, Apple Music in their supreme um, penniness um, posted an ad like, um, enjoy um, Neil Diamond's me- entire catalog here or some shit like that. Like basically we have his music. So like, yeah. And also Neil Diamond, Joni Mitchell, these are um, people who can afford to do that. Like they can take the hit. Plus it sounds like the Spotify wasn't really giving that much money anyway. So it's probably not that big a hit. Yeah, they made all their money in the days of records. 
CDs. <laughs> Don't you miss like CDs and um, like buying them and then having the album with the cover and the art and the lyrics and the, the liner notes? Those are good times. I miss that. I think I miss it in like theory. Uh-huh. like a nostalgia for it if I like live that again I'm sure there's like things I don't remember that like would annoy me but I do like miss being like a tween or whatever and going to like cd stores mm-hmm. and like discovering new music and then yeah just like laying on my bed listening to a whole album reading the lyrics mm-hmm. um stuff like that I definitely miss I miss like uh I guess now in streaming you don't have like skits in between songs anymore mm-hmm. that like whole thing's going away um yeah the smell I mean I just like I was back at my parents house and over Christmas or whatever and they like sent me back home with like one of my cd books and it's heavy it's heavy as shit there's a lot of cds in there (laughs) and I haven't like listened to them at all I think like one I think one computer I have plays cds yeah Um, I don't have anything that plays cds anymore (laughs) yeah so like stuff like that I don't miss um but I feel like I knew songs better like you know you're like oh I have this like one cd in my car I'm just gonna listen to it on repeat and like know all 12 songs on the cd versus like you know spotify like you may hear a song every now and then or whatever um so maybe you're more connected to to the artist and to uh the music and to the the message or the the art that was a full album because I feel like a lot of times with like streaming now you'll hear like a really good song but you may not like know the person's name or like know anything about the artist for like a while like it may take you like a lot of time to like hear the song to like find out about or you may never know about the artist so yeah I don't know it's like yeah it's definitely a different way of consuming music um but maybe it makes more sense for our shorter time span minds now the world's gone faster maybe music has to go faster yeah that's true because I know like even like the even faster versions like on TikTok where you hear like a seven second clip of a song or like a 30 second clip of a song and sometimes you don't even know who the artist is but you know that like second like really well becomes like you know viral or something yeah Yeah. like that happened for me with the bus it challenge i didn't even know who was singing that song until like i was bored one day and i looked it up yeah (laughs) like but i knew that particular part of the song because i watched it and heard it over and over again when it went, went viral so yeah so it, it's like an interesting thing i, I feel like this uh, conversation I, who did i have this with i don't know maybe it was like with my class um but about like what like what can be like edited and chopped up you know if like you know you do collage you, you're like chopping up pictures and like reassembling them or even in like music where you're taking samples and like putting into new music but like now it's like what's the like what's the limit what if I took like 10 minutes of one tv show and then like added it to like five minutes of another tv show like is it this idea that like yeah like after a thing comes out anybody can do whatever they want with it and then like you know remake it into new arts or Mm -hmm. like where is like the artist's hand and these things or all these like levels of process or like maybe collaboration I don't know yeah i think we strayed from the original time <laughs> yeah fuck your rogan <laughs> i think i think the elephant in the room is joe rogan is getting 100 million dollars to do a podcast what the hell do we have to do to, to get that much money for doing a podcast besides no 
of course. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, we have to get like muscles, I guess. And I think he's like in Austin, uh, being anti-vaxxer. I don't know. I don't know what he did. <laughs> and maybe we have to start by getting on a reality show. Isn't that how we started? We were talking about it, another podcast. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's not. I think I've aged out. Um, no one wants a forty-two-year-old on a reality show. I think you still have a window of time left, though. Yeah, I told you I'm I'm you know, looking at the survivor. Survivor to a hundred million dollar Spotify contract. <laughs> that, pop, that pipeline is very small and specific. I think. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we have some breaking news that you want to talk about, right? Yeah, I feel like this is the most this is the most thing I've seen on any of my social medias is um Rihanna and, and ASAP Rocky. Um, I feel like we'd be remiss to not talk about this. This is the thing on the tip of everybody's tongue. Um, what a billionaire and cosmetic mogul and <laughs> local man. Yeah, local man. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, people are, I feel like people are so conflicted. I feel like people have been growing, have like been having like a growing conflict with Rihanna as she becomes like a billionaire now. So now Rihanna is like a little bit more um, uh, polarizing or like divisive. Um, but now with the whole like Rocky, because at first everybody was like, you know, the fact that they were even dating in the first place. But now that she's pregnant, um, a lot of people were, I think a lot of people were still processing <laughs> what they even feel about it for so many reasons. <laughs> Congratulations to Rocky, I guess. He he did well for himself. <laughs> but um, I mean, Rihanna for me has always been, you know, a celebrity, doing celebrity things. I don't know that woman, but I think that she is beautiful and living her best life. Um, occasionally doing problematic things in people, including Rocky. <laughs> but she I mean she like she looks very happy in those pictures, so good for her. Uh, am I thrilled that uh, she's having a baby with this um, misogynist who has defended Cosby and is clearly a colorist? Not entirely thrilled, but it's her life. She can do what she wants. Yeah. I will say that I do take a little bit of joy in thinking about Aubrey sitting somewhere in the dark crying over these pictures. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's like the thing. That's the that's the thing. Like how how is Drake handling all this? You heard he unfollowed both of them on mm -hmm. Instagram. She's mm -hmm. <laughs> like, what grown ass man is doing this? Like he I has a it's... child. Like, but I think it's like fair, like, you know, if it, if it was like regular people, you're like, oh, I'll follow who you need to for your like mental health or whatever. Um, Touche, Max. And it's so it's like, it's it's funny, like part of it's like, oh, these like celebrities have like real world things, like we have real world things. Um, but also somebody that like, I feel like, I wouldn't say I shipped Rocky and Rihanna, but mm -hmm. um, I remember in the early 2010s when um, there was like rumors of them dating Mm -hmm. um and like the fashion killer music video mm -hmm. um and all that stuff like I remember like thinking that was cool and then finding out that they actually were dating like a decade later I was like oh, okay that's cool um not like, like not that I know either of these people or like have any like stock in either of these people but I always had I did have an affinity 
um, for ASAP Rocky's music in the early 2010s. Yeah, I mean, um, not, to, not to pull your card or anything, but I do believe a photo of, of their coupledom has appeared in our zine from time to time by your hand so yeah watch out for the next one i mean a photo <laughs> from the photo shoot <laughs> <laughs> so something about this just like gives me hope um what's that one rihanna song we found love in a hopeless place mm-hmm. so um that was you a know. good ass video too that was good yeah okay. yeah but like because there's that intro where it's like a british lady be like you ever love somebody that you just don't, I don't remember all the words, but it's like, I don't want to insert the audio, but, <laughs> and you just love them so much, but you just. You gotta insert the audio now. Because <laughs> it was so tragic, like, mm-hmm. in that British accent. It's like you're screaming, and no one can hear. You almost feel ashamed that someone could be that important, that without them, you feel like nothing. No one will ever understand how much it hurts. You feel hopeless. Like nothing can save you. And when it's over and it's gone, you almost wish that you could have all that bad stuff back so that you could have the good. That, yeah, I love that she dodged Drake. She didn't get caught up in that nonsense. Like her dated for like two minutes and she was like, nope. I think Drake just loved too hard or something. I suspect he was probably just a creep. Um because <laughs> there was that one, I don't know if it's at the VMAs or somewhere else where she he like confesses her love and then she's like, okay. That thanks. was super creepy. Like I like I remember people playing that like it was cute, and I was like, that shit is creepy. She looks like like low-key a little bit scared like and then it was a, a tribute to her and he made it all about him it was super fucking weird but mm-hmm. like yeah. yeah see rocky plays it way cooler than that so i get it <laughs> i get it <laughs> i will say this whenever uh we've seen them out he does sort of lay back and let her shine so that's cute mm-hmm. yeah yeah, and I feel like they're both like fashiony. I feel like fashiony in a way that like Drake is never fashiony. 
Um, Cause like Rocky was on like on GQ and whatever, like other fashion magazines. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, yeah, to me, it, they always made sense. Um, back in Fashion Killer in 2010, 2011. Yeah. So. I mean, good luck to them. Yeah, good luck to them. And then, yeah, so many people are just <laughs> so upset that it's Rocky of all people. But. I saw I saw dudes posting like videos where they're crying, um, <laughs> you know, t- telling people to like uh, leave them alone during this time of grief and mourning. Like, that's the I thing I don't get. Like, <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, I don't think I don't I don't get that. Like about like people, not celebrities, like feeling so heartbroken when a celebrity like date somebody. Like all the people that are like fucked up over Zendaya dating like Tom Holland or whatever. It's like, oh, you thought Zendaya was like gonna date you, or like you were the next person on the list if it wasn't yeah. Tom Holland. Like it's all very weird. Yeah. Celebrity in general is weird, and I really just wish that concept would die, but whatever. Um yeah, I mean. She looks happy and he looks like he won the lottery, which he did. So good for them. Um, yeah. The baby is healthy and all that. And, you know, maybe those crazy kids will, will make it. I don't know. I don't care. So, <laughs> <laughs> But I, I mean, I feel like they're just like so much like cooler and they're like low keyness about the pregnancy announcement and how they did it. Just like walking down the street, like on 125th. And yeah. um, like it wasn't this huge like photo shoot or like mm-hmm. in some like exotic location or like surrounded by like flowers and like you know water or something like I thought it was like a cool a cool way of um, telling the world about it. It seemed very much them, yes. Yeah. But I know I was in full auntie mode because I was like, aren't they cold? Can she just like close up so <laughs> like and put on a hat? It's fucking snowing out there. I'm like, <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for real. <laughs> so basically, yeah. you're happy for them. Yeah, I mean, as happy as I can be for two strangers. Um, <laughs> I think I've seen. Um, maybe I've seen them both concert once, um, by different points. Definitely seen A. Seb Rock in concert. Maybe I did see Rihanna once. Um. But yeah, no, again, I think like me, I feel like I grew up with him um, again, you know, being in my early 20s and yeah. the early 2010s, being being fly, hanging out, going to party. ASAP Rocky was a lot of my soundtrack. Um, and then Rihanna too. And then I was like, if they can make it, then maybe, maybe my love, maybe my love's out there too. Oh, <laughs> We found love in a hopeless place, right? <laughs> this is the most hopeless of all things <laughs> um what do you want to talk about next you've got a lot of things here max um i thought we could talk about something going on in our community um there's that uh ori gallery has that exhibition Mm -hmm. or that online exhibition with um from the first and the last um which is a online online screening Mm -hmm. at ori gallery's website oriartgallery.com um beautiful experiments mm-hmm. um check it out a screening series and print release project as i said from the first and the last beautiful experiments pair three new media artists filmmakers with three multi-genre writers who have been commissioned to produce new writing in the collaboration with and inspired by the filmmakers work the first and the last is a screening series and digital archive archival project birthed in 2017 
by Ariella Tai. Shout out Ariella Tai and Kiki Nicole. Shout out Kiki Nicole. Both artists that NTP has worked with on a number of occasions. Um, so shout out them, both amazing people doing amazing shit. Yep. Um, we specialize in uplifting new media and experimental film for and by Black, trans, non-binary, and queer artists often overlooked in traditional art spaces due to anti-Blackness, massage noir, and gentrification. Um, the one that's currently up is by Nadia Wolf, um, which is in French, so um, forgive my pronunciation. <laughs> New Pra Mori, Moray, Mori. Um, we'll leave it at that. I'm like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> but um, yeah, so some online content for you to check out, some tight ass work for you to look at um, without having to leave your home. Mori Gallery, um, delivering it, dropping it. Um, I watched the video that's currently up. It's like three minutes, 31 seconds. Um, it's really cool. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad they're doing it. And it was a nice thing to experience. Yeah, it looks um, absolutely amazing. Um, we're going to drop a link in the show notes. So you'll be able to click um, and see what we're talking about. But yeah, definitely recommend that. Um, it's always nice when there are like, really amazing things happening in town <laughs> so yeah 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 it's, yeah I'm, I'm stoked um some other tight black shit's going on um by a bunch of people i admire and respect mm -hmm. and also <clears throat> rue the director of Ori gallery is going to be a guest coming up here in a few weeks um so we're excited and well i'm sure we'll talk to them about this a little bit as well yeah cool cool all right. Uh, well, I would like to personally thank Max for dropping this bullshit into my life um, because it was the first time I heard about it. I watched it last night. Um, but revered actress Tandy Newton um, decided to get on the gram and apologize um to dark-skinned actresses for the lack of representation among other things i think we can't go forward in this conversation until you audience dear audience actually listen to this apology so i'm going to play it right quick um so that you can hear um her very heartfelt and emotional apology all right here we go i've wanted so desperately to apologize every day to to, to darker skinned actresses to say, I'm sorry that I'm joked, I'm the one chosen. My mama looks like you. My mom looks like you and she It's been very painful to have women that look like my mom. feel like I'm not representing them, that I'm taking from them, taking their men, taking their work, taking their truth. I didn't mean to, you know. All right, so that was the apology. I would like to say before we begin talking about this, that I was a, am a big Tandy Newton fan. I love her work. I think she's one of um, 
our better actresses out right now. Um, and I've been following her for a long time. Um, this came out of left field at the beginning of Black History Month. And I have a lot of feelings. Um, the first time I watched it, I was basically just confused. It, <laughs> it was blinking emoji guy all the way through. The second time I watched it, I just laughed the entire time. And then the third time I watched it, I'm angry and slightly annoyed. Um, a lot of things to unpack here. So Max, where, wh what are your feelings about this apology video? Yeah, um, I'm very, I wanna like, I, I, I wish I had already done this, but I wanna know like what, what caused this, what spurred this on? Like what was her, like her motivation for making this video? Um, but I definitely had a similar, like I think the first time I was just like laughing, it was so like cringe. And then like this long period where she was like looking down and was like trying to find the words. Um, and then just the things, it felt like, I don't know, it feels like, uh, it felt like an apology, like a white person gives, like about like when they like realize they like they're white or something. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then like, I'm trying to make it better, but then they're just like doing all these things in these ways. Like I'm the chosen one, stealing your men. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I was like, wow. But I mean, I don't know. It was, it was, it was cringe for sure, as the kids say. Well, let's 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 break this down. So, to hear her tell it in this apology, the very reason she is sorry about all this is because um, her mom looks like us. Um, let's unpack that. And this is this is the issue that I've had with men who say stupid shit like I really didn't feel terrible about all the misogynistic shit I did until I had a daughter. Like yeah. if you need to like relate to empathize with someone, to me that's a fucking problem. You should just want to be a good person. You should just want everyone to be able to live their lives in peace um and thrive. Um so if that's true, if that's the reason why she's sorry, uh, she can keep her apology. That's one. I don't suspect that's the reason why she's sorry. I suspect that she said that to emphasize the fact that she's black as like an authentication. And that's just dumb. You know, I know that Tandy is black. Everyone knows she's black. She doesn't have to prove it. It's weird. So like, there's that. Um, The thing about, sorry, that's my alarm. The thing about um, taking our men, um, first of all, I, I personally have an issue with equating colorism like, and like prioritizing like this, the, the desirability politics of that. That's one, that's stupid. I think that colorism is so much more nuanced than that to just like break it down by like desirability politics and it's just like that's always annoyed me and that's usually where that conversation goes which is super annoying um and it usually kind of um removes the nuance of queerness as well that's a thing so that pisses me off second she has a whole ass white husband so oh does she <laughs> yeah so Andy, girl, what are you doing? What what are you doing? So like, 
And then on top of that, it's like you said, like this person who is crying on the gram about benefiting from a system that is far bigger than her comes off like white people crying about being white. It doesn't do me any good. You can have this conversation with your friends, but crying to me as a dark-skinned woman who you know does not benefit as much in the ways that you do, even though I do have you know my own set of privileges, um, it doesn't do anything for me. If you if you're truly sorry, then you will do things to consciously subvert that system. That's it. Like I don't I don't understand what this performance is for. It's dumb, and I thought she was better than this. Yeah, I mean, I think you said it. Yeah, performance. Um, it's a performance um, on so many levels. But yeah, like I think to your point to this whole like my mother's dark skinned or it's like that same line that yeah like men will use of like my mother or I have a sister or now I have a daughter so like I get it again like yeah like needing to be able to like place it in something that feels real to you versus like just being like a decent human um yeah it 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 feels it feels like all the things and then yeah it's like which like there's so many ways Tandy could be like doing the work that isn't this like public facing like here's me crying in like front of a camera mm-hmm. um and I've it just felt like so clunky and like yeah like again like falling into like all these like old like tropes of like these apologies or like ways of trying to like connect or like um you know take blame but then be like I get it you know I get it my mom's dark skin so I get it you know like I get it y'all like um which isn't the same thing um yeah like all that, like I felt, it felt like all those things. But then today I've been thinking about it like a little bit more and I'm wondering like, if like just despite all the clunkiness and like all the the like grossness associated with it, if there is like an aspect of it where it's like, oh, maybe this is like some sort of like step forward or like there is an aspect of this where this is like, despite it being like really clin- cringe and like clunky, it is like, maybe is some sort of like thing um to like happen or a way of like furthering a conversation I mean I feel like the conversation has like been going on and existing but um yeah like is this gonna lead to like has like Tandy like been turning down roles or is that but there's like also a thing where it's like if somebody like Tandy Newton turns down a role it shouldn't be news right it shouldn't be like hey like everybody check me out for turning down this role and like allowing somebody like a darker skinned person to get it it should just be something that like happens without it needing to be like publicized um and then like because I feel like some of the coolest people are the people that you're like oh this person like um low-key has been like doing all this like really tight shit for like years and nobody knew about it or nobody like heard about it because they weren't like having their publicist there or there wasn't like a photographer they didn't like plan to have a photographer next to them um but yeah, I don't know if this is like leads to something if like Tandy will yeah start operating differently. Um, I think yeah. Okay, so <laughs> to reiterate, you feel like this performance could actually do something. I don't know about that. Um, maybe like it depends on what do something is, but I think like. Yeah, Tandy was like, yeah, like, you know, crying, um, making it, I guess, like, making it about herself, but, like, I don't know, like, maybe, like, guilt, or, like, but, like, also, like, what triggered this guilt after, like, all this time, 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, if there's like if there's like an aspect of this that um is potentially could be beneficial in some way, um, or like lead to like other I don't know, other other light skinned people doing their mea culpas. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe everybody's gonna get on the gram now and start crying about stealing men and jobs um or something but maybe (laughs) and i'm always going to have a problem with someone distilling these sorts of things down to like their own individual practice rather than interrogating the system that is creating this this idea that you know their men their jobs this idea that there's a limited number the scarcity and that you're taking the thing when it's the system that's created this idea of scarcity, you know, yeah. that's bullshit. Um, and then, you know, not to be like an apologist, but like there are ways in which, you know, Tandy, who is on the other side of colorism is also a, like adversely affected. Like if you are attracting men who are only into light skinned women, you're being fetishized in this really gross way. and who wants that? Dark-skinned women don't want that. Like, right. that's gross. Um, they're, like, if you're getting all these jobs because of your pal- palatability and you're, you're appearing closer to whiteness, like, how is a dark-skinned woman going to be treated in that position anyway if she happens to get it? It's, we- it's all very weird and fucked up. And how about you blame the system and you blame, like, you know, the producers who hired you, the men who liked you because of your complexion or and like all the things that you think you took, those are the people who should be under fire. Like, um, and yes, you benefited from them. And like, it's great that you're acknowledging that, but like, you're not the first and you're not the last person who will. So like, what are you doing to subvert that or combat that? Cause your tears aren't doing a goddamn thing. So like, I don't know, it's weird. But, yeah if it gets the conversation going, like, I feel like this conversation has been stalled for like centuries, but whatever. <laughs> so yeah, maybe like the Zoe Saldana videos next. Oh, God. <laughs> oh my God. You know what? Black folks would party off that video. Like if she would just fucking address the whole Nina Simone movie once and for all. And then the fact that she didn't even claim blackness. Like, yeah. Ah. <sighs> I feel like Zazie Beetz could mention something about her playing <laughs> that role. Mm-hmm. Stage coach Mary. Yeah. Um, that reminds me, Atlanta's coming back in March. Are you going to watch? Um, yeah, I was interested. I think they're in Europe and shit. Yeah. According to the adverts. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm still, I'm still curious enough to check it out. Um, I love Brian Tyree Henry. Yeah, he's amazing. I love his eyes. They're so soulful. Have you seen uh, Eternals? Oh, he's in that. Yeah. I haven't. I haven't watched anything on Disney lately. I guess it's time. Like Eternals is on the list. So is Encanto. I meant to watch that too. Have you seen that? I haven't seen that one. Okay. Um. So wait, was Eternals good? Ah, uh, see that face right there. No. It was. It. No. Nope. It was. <laughs> probably three hours long i'm too old to spend three hours on a movie that makes you make that face yeah there is that's the thing it wasn't like it wasn't like oh that movie like sucked because there's all these like horrible parts it was just like boring and slow 
Yeah, it felt really boring. No, not do not want. <laughs> Maybe if they can condense that down into a solid hour, I'll watch it. Well, I think part of it was like they were trying to, you know, like with Disney, every movie has to like spawn off three new avenues of storytelling. So I think that's like part of it. They're trying to like set up the whole uh, Jon Snow movie that had nothing to do with the Eternals. They're like, why is this character even here? It's like, so they can set up his movie. You do hear um, Mahershala's voice at the very end to set up Blade, so. I'm not going to wait three hours to hear a voiceover. (laughs) To hear a voiceover. (laughs) I'll skip the end for that. Yeah, Yeah, it's like, I think it's the the post-credits one, so just (laughs) go to the very end of the movie. (laughs) Blade scheduled to come out this year or next year? I don't know, maybe... I'm not sure when it's supposed to come out. I know, I think, based on what I've understood, that Jon Snow, the Moon Knight, and Blade are all supposed to be, like, linking up. Okay. Uh, Let me see. I'm trying to look it up. But now that multiverses exist, I don't see why Wesley and Mahershala can't both be Blade in the same movie. True. I would love to see that. Yeah, wait, did you know there was a teaser for Blade? No. It came out on the 5th of this month. Well, no, last month. Really? Oh. A Blade teaser? No way. Is this a real teaser? Friends would walk up to me and just be like, what the f- is in your mug? And I would just tell them. Hold on, let me see. Yeah, this is a legit teaser. Vampires. Hominus Nocturne. Moving from one city to the next, tracking the migrations. Hard to kill. They tend to regenerate. Oh, wait, no, it's concept. It's a concept trailer. Never mind. I was going to say, I think these are all clips from like old movies or, you know, where they just take clips from different movies. Okay, never mind. Um, But yeah, okay. Well, I hope they make this blade less uh, weird about black women than <laughs> the first one. <laughs> well, but yeah, then the thing with like Disney is like they're so sterile. It's like, how can you have like a Disney movie about like blood and stuff? Yeah, that is weird. Disney is very sterile. It's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. I feel like um, I think No Way Home will be streaming in March, so I have to wait until then to find. To find uh, yeah. Yeah. Have you been hearing about it though? I did talk to someone the other day about No Way Home because she saw it in the theaters twice, and she said the first time she loved it, and then the second time, um, it seemed a little bit cheesy. Oh shit! She did say she cried though. So. Both times. Not both times, but okay. the first time. <laughs> yeah the first time i was i was all tears <laughs> but i was also like going through my own redemption arc i think at that moment so uh, like, okay. redemption is possible <laughs> oh let me know how that redemption goes <laughs> yeah um, yeah <laughs> no 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 wait nope nope we got to talk about this the gold cube have you did you see this i dropped it i dropped the link last night yeah, I've seen I've seen some of the stuff on um, the socials. All right, so y'all, for y'all who don't know, there's a German artist, Nicholas Castello. 
who is concurrently launching a launching a cryptocurrency um, alongside his artwork, um, which I feel is relevant in mentioning. Um, but he has a new piece. Um, it's a solid gold cube. Um, it's made entirely from 24 karat um, gold, weighs a 410 pounds, and it was installed in Central Park, New York um, for one day, um, February 2nd, 2022. Um, it's not for sale, supposedly. Um, but its material is worth about $11.7 million. It was flanked by heavy security detail um, and it was there for 24 hours in Central Park. So Max, what do you think about this? Um, I'm seeing some more pictures right now. Mm -hmm. Like I, all the pictures I'd seen beforehand were just like the cube in space. But now I'm seeing some pictures of like the person standing next to it. And it's so much smaller than I thought it was. Um, I guess I was thinking like more, who's that one guy, Tony Smith, that yeah. did, um, he used to do the black cubes. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I was like, oh, it's a lot smaller. Um, I think it's disgusting. I think it's, um, you know, this like art world economy, um, currency, like to me, it's like all these gross things. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and it's like a publicity stunt. But then also, yeah, if you're like trying to start a currency off of it, I think everything about it is is gross and disgusting. Um, I'm just wondering if, like, I mean, I guess it's already that like this where you know currencies are becoming like streaming services. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, like I don't know how how detached, how removed you can be. Um, but I, I asked that question, and then you have moments like this to show like how detached and removed you can actually be. You're like, oh, okay, it can be like this. <laughs> like this, this is the kind of shit. Um, like, like this is why people make fun of artists. This is it right here. This is why we get a bad rep. Yeah, I don't even know like how you get to this point. Like, how does he? How does he even like have the resources to make this art you know, like in you know, something valued at 11 million dollars um i don't even yeah i don't even understand like how if one artist has that, that resources yeah and then like i mean low-key i've always felt like <laughs> central park is like the lake lanier of new york and that is like it's cursed and like given the history of Central Park and like what had to happen for it to even exist. And then a lot of the terrible shit that has happened within the perimeter of Central Park to plop this gold cube in the middle of it on a random February morning in 2022 in the middle of a pandemic. It's just, if that's not some weird ass terrible metaphor for what we're dealing with right now, I don't know what is. Yeah, maybe it's just yeah the epitome of um, colonialism, imperialism, um, all the gold that was taken from black bodies um, coming back in the form of this gold cube that's going to launch a currency. Yeah, all of it like reeks as like of like the same shit of like hundreds of years of like um, these like detached white people getting very rich off of some absurd violent acts. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, I don't know much about this artist, but the article claims that he's inspired by Basquiat and Warhol. Yeah, I don't see that like in this piece, but like maybe I haven't seen any of his other artwork, but this definitely doesn't look like um, anything Basquiat would have done. No. He looks very smug standing next to his gold cube in his bubble. Yeah, I'm sure he fucking does. Fuck that dude. It's so ridiculous. I just like, yeah, like I don't even know. Like sometimes I'm just like, how, how are like the things that you and I do even in the same realm as the thing that this like person does, like all under the umbrella of art? Yeah. I got <clears throat> honest, like shit like this just makes me want to close up shop and go like, go off the grid. Like, does, does what? Does what we do, does what other artists we know do even matter in the face of this kind of bullshit that gets all of the things? Yeah, I don't think so. Like the amount of press that this gets, like the way that this is like caught fire through media, through like the things on social media, through what everybody's talking about. And again, that's like art for just like the 1%, but yet everybody's going to talk about it. Mm -hmm. um, unveiled at a private dinner on Wall Street on Wednesday. Um, talking about the history of Central Park, you know, the history of Wall Street too. It's like, mm -hmm. it's like, but it's so unironic, right? It's not like somebody trying to like make a critique of these things or anything like that. It's just the obliviousness of like whiteness marching on. Um, it's just, yeah, I don't even know. It does, it does disheart me. It's like, I don't even know how making one. <laughs> hang it, hang it up. <laughs> Well, I mean, that's, I think that's a good seg to Black Capital. You want us to talk about Black Capital? Yeah, or, yeah, the A Black Capital. Um, I was thinking about this. Uh, I don't know what was making me think about this, but um, but then I thought, like, you'd be a good person to ask as being from Atlanta. Right. And um, I feel like we're in it currently, you know, like we're in the midst of Atlanta um, existing as, like, the new Black Capital yeah. um, compared to, like, what Harlem used to be um and then who knows like maybe like 20 years from now we'll have like maybe like a different perspective and be able to like contextualize Atlanta as this like black capital um in these other ways but I feel like it's operates that way already for like so many reasons um so many like artists creatives um wealth um all like you know has resided in Atlanta or like come to Atlanta yeah. um and I'm just curious, I'm sure I could do like research about it, but maybe I'd talk to Melanie first <laughs> about like, about, like when, when, when was the shift? Like when did Harlem stop becoming the black Mecca and when did, when did Atlanta officially become like, this is like the new black center? Um, well, I, you know, I'm probably, I'm not sure if I'm the best person for this. Cause like, I feel like my thoughts on this would be mostly anecdotal. But I feel like the shift in music sort of heralded that changeover because like with hip hop, New York was the center, right? But then as I was coming up um, is when like Southern hip hop um, had its boom. So a lot of the like musical shifts started happening there around that time. And that was like, I, I wanna say that was like mid nineties um, and then like early two thousands um, and with the recession um, and the dip in the economy, a lot of the Hollywood people started coming to Atlanta to film there because it was much cheaper. Um, so you also saw a shift in cinema um, and just like in terms of like the money coming in. Um, 
but like as long as I can remember it from my young adulthood Atlanta has very much been like this kind of black center of art um in terms of music and um cinema and visual arts um but the only thing is because it's in the south there was like this heart or this crux of conservatism baked in that always made me uneasy um and always made me feel as an artist like an outsider of that center if that makes sense and i think that that conservatism is still there um so economically yes it is the new south but it's still the south if that makes sense and you're from texas you know what I'm talking about. So like that's still there. Um, and I'm not sure if I'll ever be fully comfortable with that part of it. Do you ever see yourself living in Atlanta again? Yeah, but I feel like in order to live in Atlanta again, I would have to already be established and be making money. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it definitely seems like the place where like, yeah, now if I like wanted to like have a career in music, and I'm not from there. Like so many people move to Atlanta to start their like rap careers now. Mm -hmm. um, so many people that like are rappers from Atlanta like didn't weren't born in Atlanta. They like moved there in order to like get their career off the ground and going. And it's just interesting to think about like the the way like Harlem exists like historically for like Black people. Um, and now thinking that like maybe that's like what Atlanta is in all these different ways. And like, yeah, maybe down the road, we're going to be like talking about Atlanta as this like renaissance place, um, another renaissance or this like, yeah, just this like cradle of so much um, black culture and content and art and music. Um, yeah. I do like the fact that it is this is this cradle and it's not like coastal, which is what we've kind of always seen in the past. But then I also think, you know, We've seen like these centers of culture shift, you know, um, I think New York has been one. I think um, California, parts of California have also um, been the center. Like, will it shift somewhere else, you know, in like a couple of decades? Most likely if precedents um, are correct. I just wonder where that could be. Yeah, yeah, who knows? I mean, yeah, cause I feel like there's other cities that feel like somewhat contenders but aren't aren't Atlanta you know I could say like you could say like maybe Houston is like up there but it's definitely not Atlanta yeah. as far as like the the pool or the yeah the names that are coming out of there and like yeah the, all the genres of like art music um whatever else and then I also think about Houston in relation to like the changing geography or whatever not geography but like climate change and the yeah. ways that that's gonna like affect that city um in a way that could like still prevent it from becoming like um you know ever becoming like a new harlem or but i mean it's, in its own way i'm sure obviously like houston is like a harlem of types of like these like uniquely houston personalities that have come from houston um pimpsey um beyonce um megan yeah yeah megan is telling yeah hell yeah um <laughs> But yeah, I still feel like it, does, it definitely feels like if there was one spot and it used to be Harlem in all these ways and all these like, I feel like growing up, you know, learning about it in, in history and stories, um, 
the artists, but not just the artists, like all the organizations um, that were there. And then now it seems like um, Atlanta seems to be the top of so many of those lists. Yeah. I feel like if I were to go back to Atlanta, I'd have to bring some something with me in, an or, in order to be a part of that. What do you mean bring something with you? Like bring something with me as an artist, you know, in order to contribute to that. Because there is so much happening there. You mean like your art or you mean something other than that? I mean, yeah, my art, but like in a substantial way. Yeah. Like I could never quite break that wall when I was living there. I mean, that's mostly because I wasn't a working artist. I was doing nine to five. And then I was an artist on nights and weekends, a hobbyist. Um, but in order to live there as an artist would require like, I don't know exactly. I don't know. It's also pretty insular in some ways. So this is just like a general question, not specific to Atlanta, but like, how do you feel about like your energy or like the effort it would take to like break into like any new city? Ooh. I mean, I feel like it can be organic. I mean, I came to Portland at like 30. Five, and I, I kind of I assimilated pretty quickly here. I think. Now you're eating everybody's lunch. <laughs> what? <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> you're getting all the things. You're eating, you're eating all the other oh, things. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, it just depends on how bad you want to be in the city. You know. How about you? How do you think you would do going to a brand new city? Um, I don't know. That's obviously something I've been thinking about. And then, you know, there's like, yeah, the idea of like, I would obviously love to like move to a place that I have some like foothold in or like try to like make a foothold here in another place and have that like help my move. But thinking about like, yeah, like how I moved to Portland, I didn't know anybody. I didn't know like anything. I didn't know like what the art spaces were. I didn't know like how to like navigate the city at all and thinking about like having to do that all over again does seem a little like tiring or daunting um but I definitely yeah like feel like that is the thing that I guess will happen at some point um but hopefully yeah like hopefully my experiences of being in Portland will aid my next attempt somewhere else I feel like and this probably sounds a little I don't know but like I feel like when your life is moving in the direction it's supposed to be moving that you know things shift around you as they're supposed to in order to help you through these transitions like it should have been impossible for me to uproot my entire life in Atlanta um, where I'd spent all of my adult life to move to move here to Portland where like it was impossible to find somewhere to live just to go to school for a couple years but somehow like I was able to make it happen um it's kind of a blur now, but like, I just remember like thinking one day that it would be impossible for me to go back to school. And then the next day finding out that no, it actually, I actually could do this and here are ways in which I could do it. So I, I don't think it's about how hard a thing is. It's about like getting you in place for where you're supposed to be. And I think that makes things easier. That's like a, that's an interesting, I guess, I don't know, point or 
way of looking at things that um so do you feel like certain things happen for a reason like you subscribe to that idea i guess i do yeah and like what is that like what is that like force or energy that's doing that is it like what do you or what it is what is it to you i haven't figured that part out yet like i don't know what it is i know it's something bigger than me it's something bigger than this little ball that we're on right now um and i don't know if i'll ever know what that is but um i do kind of subscribe to the idea that you know we're on this kind of track and while there are variations or different paths you can go we're in the place that we're supposed to be in any given moment so it's like not just having like trust in yourself it's having trust in this other thing yeah which which allows me to carry out my life with very little regret so that's good so yeah because you you're like i'm exactly where I'm, I'm supposed to be yeah how wait, what about you um i feel like sometimes i feel that way i feel like i'm trying to like get more like that especially <laughs> when it comes to like people and stuff like that they said that like somebody's on your life they're supposed to not be in your life and like stuff like that or like if you don't get an opportunity, you weren't supposed to get that opportunity or sometimes something you're bummed out about now is like actually leads to like an opportunity you wouldn't have seen down the road. Like I'm trying to like subscribe to that or like allow myself to like float along that. But then there's other times where I feel like, you know, you get the things you want or like you like, oh, I want this thing. So I'm gonna like work for it or try to achieve it. Yeah, um, yeah I don't know. I don't know because it because it's hard for me because like you know I feel like it removes control from you or this by maybe like we never had control just the illusion control but this idea like sometimes you just have to like allow things to happen which I mean doesn't like appeal to my impatience I don't think <laughs> I don't know there uh, there have just been too many things that have happened that can't be chalked up to coincidence for me. There have been so many times when I shouldn't have made it. I shouldn't have lived through a thing. I shouldn't have been able to get to the next step. And then someone or something appeared out of nowhere and just helped me along. Um, but do you feel like more like more at peace with like life in the world now than you maybe did at previous times? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I feel more at peace with the world than I did even three years ago. Like, okay, for instance, um, right before the pandemic hit, uh, I ended up, you know, with kind of a life-threatening, well, diagnosed with a life-threatening illness, like months before the pandemic hit, um, which kind of prepared me for the isolation of these past few years. Like if that hadn't happened, um, a lot of terrible things could have resulted from not being diagnosed at that moment. So I do think that's interesting the way things end up turning up. If that makes sense. Yeah, that does make sense. Hello? I think my internet was being bad, but I was able to hear that. So I think it does make sense.
Okay. Yeah. I mean, and I'm sure that like you can point to things in your life that shouldn't have happened, but somehow did. It kind of helped get you to the next thing. Yeah. I guess maybe I'm like negative. So I'm just thinking about like all, all the bad things I feel like. For some reason, my laptop isn't charging correctly, but whatever. Um, no, you were saying you're thinking of all the negative, but I feel like that's just because the, the story hasn't closed yet. Um, like, I think something will happen at some point in the near or far future that will put all of those bad things in perspective for you. Thanks, Melanie. <laughs> Thanks for giving me a little bit of hope. I try. Yeah. <laughs> Called Black Hope Month. <laughs> I'm here for it, though. Awesome. I wonder why my laptop isn't charging. This is very weird. Maybe your cord. I know sometimes my cord gets, like, uh, delicate and I have to, like, touch it a little bit or something. Um, what else? What else? Any, um, any funny Black History Month memes or internet things been, uh, giving you joy? Yes, I just found out last night that the original front person for No Doubt was Black. That guy or somebody else? John Spence. Is he the guy that Gwen Stefani dated? What guy? Isn't there a Black guy in No Doubt? No. I think there's a South Asian guy in No Doubt. Oh, really? South Asian? Black? I don't think that other guy is Black. I never did before. Am I wrong? I don't know. Hold on a second. I see a picture of No Doubt and there's two Black guys. Wait, what? Hold on. Original singer? John Spence is the... Oh, yeah, John Spence. His birthday was two days ago. The guy that she used to date, is he, he's, is he Black? I didn't think he was Black. Maybe not. Yeah. I don't think so. Whatever. But, yeah, John Spence, who I think is no longer with us. Oh, he, like, passed away. But I never knew that there was another front person. So that's an interesting Black history fact. Oh my God, there's a, I don't even know how I found this. I typed in No Doubt Original Singer and then you know on Google it says people all people also ask and it says who died in No Doubt and then it says Tom Dermont poisoned when Gwen Stefani put rat poison in his food. Tony Callow slammed into a gate by Gwen Stefani with his own car. Well, these are all things that none of these are true. I was like, how is this? Somebody like wrote all this stuff. Okay, sweet. What else? Okay, so down the rabbit hole, my man. <laughs> um, oh, something I found out recently. There's um, a Black woman-owned coffee shop in Portland called Holy Beans Coffee. I haven't been there yet, but I, I want to go soon. Where is it located? Um, let me see. Is it new? Um, I think fairly new, but I'm not sure. I don't know. It's on, it's on Alberta. 2622 Northeast Alberta. Cool. Okay. I miss going to coffee shops. Yeah. So I may order a coffee to go check it out. Nice. Oh, provides roasted Haitian coffee in a variety of roasted packages. Cool. Okay. Cool. Um, so, yeah, well, there's some black info 
for the Portland locals. Very cool. Um, do they have a website? We can drop the link in the show notes. But I think they have an Instagram, maybe. Oh, they, they definitely do, because that's where I follow them. All right, I'm going to follow them on Instagram. Holy Beans. That is a name. Yep, there they are. Yeah, so get your copy there. Oh, they have, tomorrow they're having a live saxophone and vocalist. Oh, tight. Mm-hmm. Um, is it time for segments? It is. It is time for segments. Uh, and now it is time for Celie's Glass of Water, um, a special um, part of the show where I offer a drink to someone who is doing the most with the absolute least. What oh, Mr. Talking Trash about sugar. Folks don't like nobody being too proud or too free. Today's glass is long overdue and goes out to one Nora Lum, a.k.a. Nora from Queens, a.k.a. Aquafina, which is a stage name that she still goes by. Keep this in mind and buckle up as I go through this because it's going to be a long one. Now, for some of you, Nora Lum is just an up-and-coming American actress who has been getting quite a bit of critical acclaim and traction for some of her performances. But for some of us from around the way, we remember her controversial rise and grind to fame as a rapper with such hits as My Vag, which include the lyrics, your vag is frightening like Serena Williams. Along with her interesting career as a rapper, she was known and called out for her affectation of a black scent. What is a black scent, you ask? Well, it's a fucking abomination. I'm not going to get deep into the weeds of etymology here, but suffice it to say, she took the role of her alter ego, as she has called it, very, very seriously. Over the years, she has been called out for this repeatedly, offering up such classic excuses as, I grew up around people who spoke like this, which, newsflash, she really didn't. She also pretty much pretended it was her natural speaking voice. Most of the time, she just flat out ignored the criticism, while embracing this facade that was consumed and enjoyed very much by mainstream culture who saw her as a charming novelty, while people such as myself, not so much. As she slid deeper into Hollywood and all its machinations, Black folks have noticed with not even an ounce of surprise or shock, how her accent has suddenly just gone away. Like it was just some bad dream. We knew what it was and she knew what it was. And then late last year, in the middle of her promo for Shang-Chi, she was asked outright about her disappearing accent. She had this to say. Um, you know, I, I, I'm open to the conversation. I think, I think it, you know, it, it's, it, it really is something that, um, I think is is a little bit multifaceted and and layered, um, and so yeah. <clears throat> so that is the equivalent of what you say when you're the one in the group project that did no work, and the teacher calls on you to present. And you know what? I would have been fine if she just left it there. She clearly doesn't have the range or the maturity or accountability to address what she did to get where she is. She wouldn't be the first and she damn sure won't be the last. But no. And then, this person had the damn nerve to get on her Twitter stand and break out the notes app 
with an entry that begins with, quote, there is a socio-political context to everything, especially the historical context of the African-American community in this country. What follows after that is essentially five paragraphs of bullshit, subterfuge, deflection, and just a hot mess in which she calls upon her immigrant background but does not address the specific ways in which she has scavenged and mocked black culture. It was a whole dissertation and not one single sorry. First of all, I'm pissed that you made me read that terrible last word soup. I'm glad that you got a thesaurus. Congratulations, really. But it's clear that what you actually need is a history book because all you did is waste my time in a stupid attempt to make yourself feel better off of quite literally capitalizing from anti-blackness. No one has time for this in the middle of a panna cotta. You are dead ass wrong and you know you're wrong, which is precisely why your ass was dragged across the Twitter streets when you dropped this nonsense on the timeline and why it took you no less than three hours to cry victim and quit Twitter when bombarded with a host of questions you either can't or won't answer. Many of them the same questions people have been asking you for years. Nora, I, don't, I didn't like you before and I certainly didn't respect you. So absolutely nothing has changed on that front. But this latest crop of your shenanigans just reinforces all of the things that I feel. Take your appropriation minstrel money and leave us alone. Leave us out of it. Until you do right by us, we are not gonna let that shit go, nor are we required to. So yes, you will probably get asked about this every single time. Suck it up and grow up. Either own that shit with your chest or get your PR people to write some shit for you. I am tired of this. We're tired. Just because you can't be honest with yourself doesn't mean we deserve to be subject to your force field of mistruths. Go away, please. Oh, damn. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that segment, Melanie. Thank you. I can see that you're still affected. <laughs> so next is um what is fast becoming one of the favorite segments of an ntp <laughs> just a facts with max i'm stating facts 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 the chicago black renaissance also known as the black chicago renaissance was a creative movement that blossomed out of the chicago black belt on the city's south side and spanned the 1930s to the 1950s the movement included such famous black writers as Richard Wright, Margaret Walker, Gwendolyn Brooks, Arnaud Bontomp, and Lorraine Hasbury, as well as musicians Thomas A. Dorsey, Louis Armstrong, Earl Hines, and Mahalia Jackson. I'm stating facts, 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 facts. Oh, damn, that's. I didn't know that. I think. <laughs> <laughs> Some of your other ones have been way more enthusiastic. <laughs> <laughs> On to parting words. <laughs> um, and I guess I'll start with my parting words. Um, happy Black History Month, everybody. Happy uh, Contemporary Black Archives. Happy um, February. Happy Mercury, Venus, doing some shit in the sky. Um, happy Abundance. Happy 2022. Um, may all your dreams come true. 
Um, thank you to Melanie Stevens. It's always fun. Um, I think we chatted about some good stuff. Um, I had an enjoyable time. And thanks to all of our listeners. And we will see you next time. Um, I don't know how to follow that. That was pretty much everything. Very comprehensive. Happy all the things to all of y'all. Um, again, happy Black History Month. Happy, happy um, contemporary Black archives. Thank you, Max, for bringing the fire as you are wont to do um, and coming up with some good stuff for us to talk about. Um, and coming up with some fun, funny things to talk about in the midst of all of this, which is decidedly not as funny or not as fun. <laughs> it's not a small thing. Um, to everyone out there listening in the ether, um, keep on keeping on. Um, I hope that your 2022 um, just gets better and better. I think we all deserve. Bye, y'all. Bye, y'all. I just finished 6.25 mile run. Why do some people look so cute when they run? I mean, I've got my... Move, bitch, get out of my fucking way! It's Black History Month! <laughs>